Good morning. I like hearing the chuckles as the video is going on. That's awesome. It means you're watching or relating. We are in this series called Unstuck, um, where we are uh, looking at or thinking about how we tend to get in these grooves. We tend to get in these patterns. We tend to use habits to rule a lot of our lives. And these grooves and these patterns, these habits affect us in our in our. Uh, all kinds of relationships, but they also affect us in our marriage relationships and in our family relationships. You and your spouse can tend to get into these grooves and these patterns and these habits, and then you just relate to each other in the same way or you repeat the same things over and over. And sometimes those patterns are healthy and great, and sometimes those patterns represent being stuck, just being trapped into something. Um, we are on the third week of, the, of talking about uh, marriage, spouses, I was going to say. And, and then we're going to do three weeks after that on families in general. But one, one thing we want to say over and over is this, these principles relate no matter if you're in a married relationship or if you're in, currently in a close family. Because we're using verses out of Romans chapter 12. And these verses written by Paul were not written specifically for families. So I'm going to be looking at Romans 12, uh, verses 1 through 8. But I think Paul is making a, 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 an argument or, or, or carrying out a, a series of thoughts that to me seem like I could understand them a little better if I went in reverse. So today I'm going to be talking about Romans 8, or Romans 12, verses 8 through 1. We're going to go backwards, so hopefully you can hold on. So Romans 12, verses 6, 7, and 8 said this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is great. This should be really great news. Right, because what the scripture is saying is you don't have to do it all. You don't have to be good at everything. God has made this like a team sport. You're supposed to figure out the things that you do well and do those well. And somebody else is going to do something else well. And together it's going to make the whole thing work. And this should be such good news. But there's this weird thing. All, oftentimes in scripture there's this weird Dynamic where we don't really fall in line with that all the time. There's these things inside of us where there's a thing inside of me that wants to say, I want to be good at everything. I want to be super independent. I don't want to ask for anybody for help on anything, which can lead me into really stupid things. One time I was trying to bring a refrigerator up the stairs by myself. This was never going to work. This was going to lead to disaster. Right? We are just independent like that. We want to be on our own. Or for some of you, it's not because you want to be independent. It's because you actually think you're the best at everything. Right? I'm just, my way is the right way in all cases. I do wish someone else would step up and do some work, but only if they do that work the exact right way. Right? The only way that there is, the way that I happen to also follow, because it's right, I mean, you can load the dishwasher that way if you wanted to, but it's really not right. I guess I'll just do it, okay? Right, any elbow jabs in the room or side-eye glances or any of that? See, throughout Scripture, from Genesis 1 onward, the Scriptures are telling us, are, are sometimes begging us 
to work together as a team, to be, to be a, a, a whole made out of parts. We're in this together. We rise and we fall together. We each have different gifts and we're supposed to use them together to unite us, to make us one, to make us one whole thing. And that is true in, in, our, in our family lives. That is true in our marriage lives. That is true in our corporate, like church lives. It's true in our, in our national lives. It's true in our world that we are made to work together. So I want to tell you something that you don't, aren't supposed to serve every role. You aren't required to fill every gap in your family. And also your spouse is not supposed to fill every role or every gap. And he or she is not gifted to do that. This is important. You have not been gifted or enabled to do that, to, to fill every role, to fill every gap. I want to put this up on a slide because I think this is important. Neither you nor your spouse has been gifted or enabled to fill every role. Some of you need to hear that in the negative. No, you are not the boss of everything, right? You're not. Others need to hear it differently. I give you permission to not be good at that. I'm, I want to give you some, some opening, some some. some some permission again to, to just be, I, I'm not good at everything. I might need some help. You might need some help from inside or from outside your family. You might need to ask for help. As I say this, like there's a voice inside of me that's like, yeah, right, right? I mean, my wife's over here and she would tell you, I never ask for help. You may need to ask for help. You, are not, you, are, you have not been gifted or enabled to do everything that needs to be done in your house. Okay, so in, in, I'm going to use my own marriage because I know it, right, for a lot of the examples today. I want to tell you, first of all, my wife's name is Kara, because from now on I'm just going to say Kara, and I'm going to expect you to know, because I'm not, like, in a habit of calling her my wife. I mean, she is, and that's all good, and, but I call her Kara. Kara and I uh, each have very different gifts, right? We're, we're made very differently from each other, and, and in our in our marriage relationship, we have learned how to use those gifts with and for each other and serve each other by, by using our gifts in all kinds of ways. I'm going to pick one just as an example, and that's in the area of our finances, in the area of our financial management. What does it look like in real life on the ground in that area? Because Kara and I, early in our marriage, we just completely messed it up. We were horrible. We were terrible. We ate the full meal deal of everything you could do wrong, right? We bought cars all the time, and we, we went out to eat all the time, and we charged things on our credit cards, and we, it was awful. And at some point, at some very low point, Kara, on our mutual behalf, stepped forward and took control of our finances, it absolutely has never taken the form of Kara ruling over or bossing or demanding or chastising or belittling or whatever else you might have in your head as the phrase took control of our finances. She has always, without fail, invited me to be an active part, kept me informed and included and asked my opinion even when I didn't want her to, even when I wasn't on the team. She led us 
by serving us. She led us by educating herself. She led us by developing over time her passion for this topic. She led us by gently inspiring, which is another word for pulling, me to come along on the journey. And it's been really phenomenal for me to watch this. I don't know if you do this in your life, but I live my life in one thing, and then in another part I'm watching my life, like I'm analyzing, how, how is that working? What's going on? And, and from the analytical side, it's been just phenomenal to watch. As, as Kara was serving, because she took a challenge that was hard and, and, and a work that she originally um, didn't know a lot about, and she was leading she made decisions. She took action. She changed direction. And she beautifully married those two things, serving and leading together. She's beautifully shown how those two things can work together. And we've had a similar process, her and I, in all kinds of areas in our lives. Things like where we should live, should both of us work, should we have kids, how many of those kids, how are we going to raise them, how are we going to figure out how to bring faith into our family, what's that going to actually look like as it plays itself out. When we first got married, actually before we got married, when we were in counseling, a very wise, a very, very wise person said to us, you can't live this way where you think of each other as equals. At some point, you're going to have to decide that one of you is 51% and the other is 49%. And we were like, why? That doesn't sound right. We said that because we were kids, right? We were little and we didn't believe anything authorities had to say. But we said, why? And his answer was, because at some point, you're going to come into an impasse and one of you is going to have to take control and make the decision. 34 years into our marriage... We're not ready to say the guy's wrong yet because he's a wise, wise person. But we're still waiting for that impasse because we're still behaving as if we can serve each other into understanding what our next steps should be. We're still behaving as if we can bend to each other's wills and that through that, through those kinds of acts of service, we can figure out where we're going next. We still believe we can solve problems by serving each other. All right, before I go to the next point, I just want to, I just want to note, none of you have been gifted by the Spirit to wash the dishes or to change the laundry or to wake up with the baby at 2 a.m. That's just not one of the gifts that was given. And so some of those things are just parts of your service. So don't use that as an excuse. I'm not gifted at dishwashing. All right, so that was, that was, that was uh, Romans 12, verses 6, 7, and 8. Now we're going to go backwards in Romans 12, 4. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So what Paul is saying here is, the reason you've all been given these different gifts and the way that it comes together is because it forms one whole thing. This, this idea that, the, that you and your spouse, that you and your family together form one whole thing is something that is like sometimes hard to get your mindset around. There is a we that has to be thought of. 
When Alice and I were talking about this whole series, but particularly when we were talking about this, Alice said to me, oh yeah, Kurt, that was something that Chuck and I just really had to learn when we were first married. That there's Chuck and there's Alice and then there's we. And that we is something that needs to be considered. That we is something that needs to be thought of. And sometimes even thought of as a different thing. We're, we're not used to thinking of the effects of we. Like, if I buy something, how does that affect we? If I go somewhere on a trip, how does that affect we? If I'm lazy or if I'm industrious, how does that affect we? We're not very good at thinking of that because we are so much better at thinking about me, right? I am really good at thinking about me. But thinking about how my actions will affect you is certainly not something that we come out of our childhood being really good at, right? Admit it. As a kid, you just didn't have to think about we very often, right? And so it's something you have to learn over time. Which brings me another story about Kara. So Kara, for 30 years, has been what um, Orchard Hill calls volunteer staff. That means she's on staff and yet doesn't get paid. It's a great arrangement. If you're the church. No, no. It's been a great It's been a great. It's been something that we have loved. Uh, but almost, uh, at least every year, if not more, we have the same conversation, Kara and I do. And it's this. Kurt, should I have a real job? Should I go get, get a job where I earn money? Because it feels somewhat unfair that, like, you go and earn the money, and then we all spend it. Should I get a real job? And I'm like, and then the answer every time, every year for 30 has been, no, no, no. This is we. We're doing this. We are doing this. When you are home and available, it really, really helps me and my job. My job happens to be unique in that I have to travel a lot. And my job is unique in that I have, well, it's probably not unique, I'm sorry, that I have a lot of stress. There's a lot, of, there's a lot going on there. And when my wife is at home, there's just something that she's doing that's really helping me do that job better. That's just how our arrangement has worked very well for me. It's really helped. Do you hear me say how good that is for me? It's been great. And then the money that's earned from that, we bring home and, and we do things together that are, are ours. And one of the things we do together is we give money to the church. And one of the things we do together is we give her time to the church. And I really feel ownership in that I'm helping volunteer her time. Because there's a we. There's a we that I understand. So, this is a, the next important thing is, so we've, we've looked at, you have been given gifts. You have been given those gifts so that you can become a we. You can become one thing. This is the summary slide on the next one, sorry. And then, and then the next thing Paul says, he goes back one more. And he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this is a harder to understand verse. I mean, all Paul verses are hard to understand, right? Paul is just hard to understand sometimes, but this verse is hard because of our mindset. Us in this Western post-industrial world have a harder time kind of grasping and holding on to what is being said here. What does he mean 
that if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you're going to be able to test and, and approve of what God's will is, his good and perfect will. It's just not as intuitive because our mindset, the way we think of the world, is that there are rules and that people follow the rules or that there is order and that people follow that order. You, we, you want to know how to do something, that's easy. You just look it up and you figure out exactly how to do it. But there's another way of looking at it, which is this way of saying, no, no, no. You could become something new and then that new thing could know what the rule is or what the way of behaving is or how to go that next step. This is an idea, there's this philosophy and Paul is saying this, do you want to know how to be great? Do you want to know how to behave well? It's easy. You just become the thing that behaves well and do that. Wow. That is so weird for our heads. St. Augustine said something very similar. He said, he said this. He said, love and then do what you will. That's his rules. Love and then do what you will. So this is not easy for us. Because even if you don't think of yourself as a rule follower, you love to understand where the rules are. Your, our minds crave rules. We want to know exactly what the score is, don't we? We want to know exactly at all times what the score is. We want to know exactly where the out-of-bounds lines are. We want to know exactly if somebody said this word or that word, and whether this word or that word was the right or the wrong word. Right? We want to know exactly the formulas and how to do them. If, you want to, if, if I ask you how to do something, then you tell me, and then I can ask you some clarifying, and you can tell me. We just love those. But this is not how biblical rules work. Biblical rules don't work like that where they're saying, exactly, this is exactly, I'm going to spell everything out for you and lay it out in complete detail. I think it's how we want them to work. I think it's how we try to make them work sometimes. I think it's how people say that they work. But it's not how they work. Even in a place like Leviticus. Leviticus, of all places, right? It's the book of rules. If you go there, what you're going to find is mostly rules. So why, how, how curt are you saying that the Bible isn't rules? Because of this. In Leviticus, the rules are, I'm going to lay a big word on you here for a second. The rules are called paradigmatic illustrations of justice. <laughs> okay. Paradigmatic illustrations of justice. They are showing you a way of what looking good looks like or what being good looks like. Here's a for, for example. In Leviticus, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. Super clear, super clear. If you're a farmer and you have some, and you have some crops and you're harvesting them, then don't harvest them all, leave some. Wait, how much should I leave? Like, how, how far is what is appropriate? Well, that's up to you. Wait, what if I'm a basket weaver? How does that rule apply to me? Right, I don't know. What if I make fabric? Well, how does that rule apply to me then? What if I make bread? How does that rule apply to me then? Exactly. Exactly. It's a paradigmatic illustration. It's showing you what you should do. What's it actually saying? What it's actually saying is, you have plenty. You should leave some for the widow, for the orphan, for the foreigner among you. 
You have it. You should give it. So if you're a bread maker, what do you have? Maybe some bread, right? Well, that would follow the rule then. Leave some. Give some. Use some. Okay, so remember what point we're on? We're saying one thing you have to do in order for any of this to work, one thing you have to do is you have to transform and then you have to... And once you have transformed into the kind of person that knows what God's will is, that's how you know how to participate in your, in, your, in your family. What I'm saying is there isn't an exact way for you to participate. There is a way that is, that is working between you and your spouse. Okay. So that's, that's where Paul has gone so far. You have roles. Do them because you're one with other people. And transform into the kind of person. Now, some of you might be saying, that ain't going to (laughs) work. This is not going to work. None of this makes sense, Kurt, because people are people. People are selfish. People aren't trustworthy. People don't fold the laundry right. Yeah, there's a story in my early days of me being wrong about that one. (laughs) Not me being wrong about how to, me folding the laundry wrong, no, I was... Uh, the lesson at the end of that story is when someone does something for you, you're appreciative of it. That's the lesson. <laughs> That's the paradigmatic illustration of justice. You appreciate things that people do for you. Okay. So Paul says, I know, I know, I know, right? So he goes on to the first verse. <laughs> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper act of worship. Sacrifice yourself. Be willing to not be self-centered. Be willing to not live your life around you. Live for the whole body. Remember the thing we're making, which is us all coming together and being one? Live for that body and not your body. Bend yourself to the other person. Bend yourself, especially in this context that I'm talking about, to your spouse. Serve your spouse. You're not part of this alone. This is not just about you. This is is a system. This is a family. This is a community. This is a church and a people. And you can't do any of what we've talked about today unless you are out of the way. The big you are out of your way. Your self-image, your ego, your selfish pleasure-seeking, your avoiding of hard things. You can't do any of it until you start getting that out of the way. One thing when I, when I talk to people and they're telling me about their plans, one thing that I always have an antenna for, I'm always listening for, is are you thinking about how this is affecting the other people in your world, the other people in your life, or are you just thinking about you? It just happens all the time, it's, and, and, and probably it's just because who I talk to, but it feels like it happens mostly to me with young men. Young men are telling me about their plans. They're saying, I'm going to go take this job, and it's over there in San Francisco, and it's going to be great, and, 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 and the job is perfect for me, and the environment is great for me, and I'm going to live in a downtown apartment, which I love. And all the time, I'm like, wait, where's your spouse in any of this story? You haven't mentioned her once. Where's your family? Where's your children in this story? You haven't, you haven't seemed to have talked about them. Or when they have plans just to go on vacation, or they have plans to move to another town, 
I'm always listening for, how do you know, are you aware of how this is going to affect other people? And when I don't hear those things, and it's frequent that I don't, then I just give them a nudge or a push or a shove off the cliff and say, how is this going to affect somebody else? What is your spouse thinking about this? But other times when I do hear it, I'm so happy. I'm so, I, I recently just talked to a young man who was telling me about a job change. And his spouse was all through it, all through the story. And I was so happy. One time, one time when I was a young man, probably why I have my antenna so high on this. One time when I was a young man, I decided that I thought it was going to be great to move to Boise, Idaho. Because I got a job offer there. They flew me out there. I looked around. I had a, I had a day in Boise. I came home and I, was, I, I, I told, said to Kara, guess what? In Boise, everyone only rides their bicycles and hikes in the mountains and eats at outdoor cafes all day, every day. That's all anyone ever does. It's amazing. And I'm going to have such a good time on my bike there. And I'm going to walk in the mountains. And it's going to be great. And she just so wisely and gently was like, Kurt, do you think there's schools there? Like, where our kids still go to school? Will they still need to eat lunch? Will you still have to go to meetings? Will you go to parent-teacher conferences? Yeah, like all of that's the same. Our lives are our lives. We're going we're gonna to pick up and move our lives there if that's what we're going to do. And we should be thinking about it in a whole. Yeah, you're right. And it turns out it didn't make sense to move to Boise. And so we're still here, and it's awesome. Okay, so this is what Paul says. Find your roles and do that. Find them and do that. You're not good at everything. I'm just telling you. Because you're one with other people. You're making one thing. You're making a whole. And in order for that to work smoothly, those two things, one thing that's going to have to happen is you're going to have to transform into another kind of person, a kind of person who can understand what is needed in this situation, what is needed in this relationship. And in order for you to do that, you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. This is going to take sacrifice. Okay, now, if you are a super rule follower, I'm going to show it to you in the other order just as a gift to you. Here's the last slide. Live as a sacrifice. This is the order Paul actually said them in. Live as a sacrifice, transformed into one who knows God's will, because you're going to be one with others. And so find your gifts and do that. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thanks again for some great words, some great wisdom of the scriptures from Paul, from this book of Romans. We pray that we can bring these words inside of us and we can think through ourselves, look at our lives and look for places where we haven't been doing these things, where we're not using other people's gifts, where we're not using our own gifts in the right ways, in the right places, where we haven't gotten the big me out of the way and thought of it, the system as a we. I pray for that in our relationships, in our, in our marriage relationships, in our family relationships, in our church relationship, in our country relationships and our world relationships all of these are the same in that we're being asked to live together to become one with each other and I pray that we can be people who are who have the spirit of self-sacrifice in your name amen